Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Recorded live. Hey, it's Mike. It's old religious dystopia, no one first belief, and once again have uh, our my brother in Christ, uh, Derek Hallett, and he's going to do or give us another teaching. And we're running late because of technical issues on my end, and probably because the evil one and his minions don't want this message to come out. So, anyways, uh, we're going to. Just get into the teaching. Uh, Derek Hallett, uh, Sound the Trumpet Ministries, plural, Ministries, and you can find his website, Sound the Trumpet Ministries, and also the YouTube channel by the same name. So, Derek, thank you for joining me. Uh, hey, Mike. Um, yeah, I'm glad to be on. I'm glad we got the difficulties fixed. You know, tonight's going to be one of those subjects, one of those controversial ones, Um where we're going to speak about the great pretender. <laughs> Sounds like a song by the Platters from the 50s, I know, but um, no, nah, it's, a, it's a little bit different. You know, we're going to be speaking about how people like to pretend and they play act. You know, even if you look up the word hypocrite in the Bible, in the, in the Old Testament, it says something similar but slightly different. But then when you look in the Greek and, you know, what Jesus happened to call the people that were Pharisees and other people that were out there, you know, a hypocrite is like a play actor, someone that's faking it, someone that is, you know, uh, double-minded. So, you know, I just thought it was important to talk about that tonight because one thing I'm even learning about the truth, even though I'm learning every day to walk stronger with the Lord, I'm recognizing that. You know, the truth has to be lived, and that's that's where the power is. You know, a lot of people may walk in their truth, but I mean the actual truth, not bending to what God says or what God means for us to do, but for us to just go through with what he says and, and stand on it. You know, there is so much power in truth, but I think in many cases when we attempt to convince people of what is true, and we may have a part of ourselves kind of not where we should be, there's not a lot of power in the words, you know, but when you stand in truth, people are automatically convicted. This thing is spiritual all the way through. So that's what we're going to discuss tonight. Amen. Sounds like it's going to be very a very convicting message for all of us. Oh, yeah, <laughs> me too. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I'll start out in prayer because I need it. Do you hear any father? Uh, Thank you for this time. I'm not very deserving of having it, but I'm grateful anyways at this time to be with Derek and uh, our sister Sarah and and, uh, anybody else that may join us or who may hear this message. And uh, God, I just ask you that you please bless this message, that your Holy Spirit will be there and that we will learn from it and actually grow 
and strength and knowledge and be better servants for you and that it be a blessing for you, God. God, thank you for all the many blessings you give us. What a great God you are and what a merciful God you are. Um, please have mercy on us all. In the name of Jesus, thank you, God. Heavenly Father, I also come before you with a contrite spirit and a humbled heart, thanking you once again, Lord, for another day not promised to us. Lord, I'm asking that you forgive us of our sins and iniquities and shortcomings and transgressions and those things that place a veil between you and us. Lord, I'm asking at this time in Jesus' name that you anoint this message. I pray, Lord God, that you speak. And if we end up being convicted by this word, then that's a good thing because as the potter molds the clay, he's going to find areas within us that are not where they need to be exactly. So, you know, he's going to have to apply pressure. You're going to have to go through our lives, and we're going to have to turn over lots of stones, things that we might have been ashamed of, things that we dealt with, things that we know are not quite like you yet. And I pray, Lord, that as you turn over those stones, I pray as you break through our barriers, our armor, our secrets, we just pray, Lord, that you place that ointment, which is the Holy Ghost, upon our wounds, that we might be healed and that we may go forward with you. So, Lord, when we speak these messages, we're speaking to ourselves. We're speaking to so many out there. But, Lord, we just pray that your truth be heard because you said in your word to buy the truth and sell it not. So we just pray that if we're going to walk in this thing, that we live by it, Lord, because if not, then the enemy has got inroads to disempower us. But we pray in Jesus' name that every foul spirit, every demonic spirit, every spirit of error, every spirit of contention and confusion, Lord, be moved from the midst of us, and that we only have you, which is your spirit, the Holy Spirit, also called the spirit of truth. We just pray, Lord, that you walk with us, that you guide us and keep us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, and thank you, God. Okay, brother, I'll hand it over to you. All right, so, you know, again, tonight we're going to talk about the great pretender. And it's unfortunate that, you know, even with a lot of churches and ministries and all sorts of things, I mean, even if you take it beyond that, if you just look at the average individual in everyday life, most people are hypocrites. People that are not led by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, they're hypocrites. Because even when you find yourself going to work and doing all the things that you want to do, and you might hear what your boss has to say. You know, he may tell you something, and, you know, you're either brown-nosing or what they would call kissing up. You know deep down you don't feel that way. And when you leave the workplace, you try and go back to who the, you know, the person was that you were. So, you see, we spend a lot of time in our lives trying to be someone else. Someone we've seen on TV would try and be people pleasers and do the things that people want. And what I'm recognizing is that just takes way too much energy. The one thing I know about the truth is, is if we just get it out there, what ends up happening next is you might feel the confrontation that may come from it. But then after that, you know, the truth is just free. And you can go back to being settled and doing what you do. But when you tell the truth, you know, it's just so funny how afterwards there's just this freedom. 
And I think that the devil in many places tries to keep us from the place of confrontation so we won't walk with Jesus. And it's important that we just understand that we've got to be authentic in this thing. If we are not, I mean, you hear so much hypocrisy in the church, even when you think about the fact that, and, and when you hear these old tales that people tell in churches, you know, I've been in churches where I know some of the people were lying about the stuff that they were saying, but I didn't say anything. Like I remember one woman said um, in a church one day that she was just looking for revelation and, you know, I mean, you get some tall tales in church. I mean, stuff like, you know, the Lord came to me and he spoke to me. A lot of people say that, but they never heard from the Lord. And I'm not here to say who has and who hasn't, but we've got to learn to be authentic in this thing, pursuing God, if we want Jesus Christ to really reign in our lives. Because hypocrisy is dangerous. And the most dangerous thing of all about hypocrisy is it can become a lifestyle. Because, you know, usually people are judged for one thing that they do. And then, you know, um, like, you know, they'll call you a hypocrite because you call yourself a Christian, but then you might curse. So someone will say, you see, you're being a hypocrite. You know, you're not supposed to do blah, blah, blah. Now, we can understand that the Lord is working things out in our lives. But when you become so used to being double-minded that it becomes normal to you, I mean, you know, that can somehow borderline reprobation if we're not careful. And I have learned that when I'm fasting, when I'm praying, when all um, levels of my life are turned over, where they're open towards the Lord, I recognize I give him more reign into my life to govern it and to do what he wants. But if I'm play acting, if I'm faking it, if I'm trying to be someone that I'm not, if I'm trying to grab the glory, you know, as much as I can, knowing that, that those things are not of God, then what it does is it really knocks you down. It really disempowers you. It really imprisons you because you might have lied today, but now you've got to keep that lie going. You know, now you've got to try and live up to something that you know that you're not. Now, I know people are wondering where this is going, but, you know, I want people to have an understanding is the truth is not just something that we know of and we heard of. The truth, the truth is not even facts. The truth is Jesus Christ. Okay, and that's important that we get that because Jesus is not going to land on a hypocrite. He's not going to give his all to a hypocrite, and a hypocrite is not going to allow Jesus to live and walk in his life because he's got too much to lose. Hypo hypocrisy keeps you from being broken. It keeps you from being honest. It keeps you from being free. So hopefully tonight what we talk about will be able to get deep into our lives because many of us paint a picture a lot better than, than we actually are. And I think when we're not honest before the Lord, it really does tear us down. And like I, I said earlier, I speak from experience. There are times I have puffed myself up more than I actually was, only to find out that you're not that individual yet. But if you want to be, yield to the Lord and walk this thing out in truth. And let the Lord work in your life. So, yes, this is going to be a very convicting message. So let's get started. I want to go to Proverbs 11, and let's look at verse 9. All right, Proverbs 11, look at verse 9, and it says, In hypocrite with his mouth destroyeth his neighbor, 
but through knowledge shall the just be delivered. Now, this is important to recognize because God gave us, Jesus Christ gave us two commandments, was to love the Lord thy God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And he says on those two laws to hang all, I mean, those two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So if we are hypocrites, you know, in many ways we'll speak ill will against our neighbor, which is something that the Lord doesn't want us to do because we don't realize as harmless as it seems when we talk to our neighbor or we say things about them, we this thing is spiritual all the way through. So we give the enemy inroads into our lives to find something to feed on. And we can also allow seeds of bitterness to get into us because of how we might feel about particular individuals, you know? And, you know, we don't realize the power of the tongue, how the tongue can bless and curse, like James 3 says, but then it also talks about how the tongue can even murder. You know, there were too many incidents in my life where I grew up seeing that someone would get information from someone else and, um, you know, just go and just start gossiping about it, not realizing that someone close by was listening and actually did what these people might have threatened to do. So that person that went gossiping didn't mean for something to happen to the person. But you see, if we didn't allow that to get it, that poison into our mouths or into our system, it would have been nothing to talk about. You know, and that's just a small example, but Jesus wants us to be able to tell him anything, to confess all things to him, for our lives to be an open book, because it says in Second Corinthians chapter 3 that, you know, one, our lives are hidden in Christ when it talks about that in Colossians 3, but Second Corinthians 3 talks about that we are epistles read of all men. And I remember when they asked Jesus or when they accused Jesus of things in this word, Jesus was always in that place of, hey, you know what, then why don't you go and ask anyone what I said here? Because everything that I said, I said before all. So you see, when we allow ourselves to be open books, and I'm not talking about um, being naive and just telling anybody your personal business, I'm talking about our lifestyle. When we can live clean, when we have nothing to be ashamed of, and we can just be open, man, the power of God will rest on you because you truly are a vessel fit for the master's use. All right, so let's get started. I want to go to um, Job 8, and uh, let's look at verse 1. All right, Job 8 and 1. And it says, Then answered Bildad the Shishite, and said, How long wilt thou speak these things? And how long shall the words of thy mouth be like a strong wind? Doth God pervert judgment, or doth the Almighty pervert justice? If thy children have sinned against him, and he have cast them away for their transgression. Now, what is transgression? Willful sin. Okay, so when you do things that you know are not pleasing to God, that's considered transgression. That's actually a more deadly sin than any of the others because a lot of people may do things in ignorance, but a transgressor is someone that says, oh, I know what the law says, but I'm going my way about it, okay? So that's a lawbreaker. Look at verse 5. If thou wouldest seek unto God uh, betimes, 
and make thy supplication to the Almighty. If thou wert pure and upright, surely now he would awake for thee and make thy habitation of thy righteousness prosperous. Though thy beginning was small, yet thy latter end should greatly increase. For inquire, I pray thee, of the former age, and prepare thyself to the search of their fathers. For we are but of yesterday, and know nothing, because our days upon earth are a shadow. Shall not they teach thee, and tell thee, and utter words out of their heart? Can the rush grow up without mire? Can the flag grow without water? While it is yet in the greenness, in his greenness and not cut down, it withereth before any other herb. Um, so are the paths of all that forget, uh, that all forget God, and the hypocrite's hope shall perish. So what he was describing here from verse one unto verse. 13 is what hypocrites are. You know how Job was a righteous man before God. He might have had his fall in certain areas, but there were other areas that Job remained faithful. So he's talking about the fate of the hypocrite. And look what he says in 14. Whose hope shall be cut off and whose trust shall be a spider's web. So what he would trust in would be a snare to him if you're a hypocrite. He shall lean upon his house, but it shall not stand. He shall hold it fast, but it shall not endure. Why? Because the Bible says in James 1, and um, I believe in verse 6, it talks about um, don't think that that man that wavereth, that is not in the faith, you know, think he can receive anything from the Lord. And the Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. So what we recognize here is if you're double-minded, don't think you can receive anything from God because God is only going to rest on the authentic, those who are serious, those who have hearts after him and not seeking their own will. Okay, so he says um, in verse 16, he is green before the sun and his branch shooteth forth in his garden. Uh, his roots are wrapped about the heat and seeth the place of stones. If he destroy him from his place, then it shall deny him, saying, I have not seen thee. Behold, this is the joy of his way, and out of the earth shall others grow. Behold, God will not cast away a perfect man, neither will he help the evildoers. So a perfect man is a mature man in God, okay? The word perfect here is the word tam, which is H8535, and it means perfect, complete one who lacks nothing in physical strength, beauty, etc., um, sound, uh, wholesome, an ordinary, quiet sort of person, complete, morally innocent, having integrity, one who is morally and ethnically uh, pure, okay, or ethically pure, sorry. So the thing here is they're talking about walking upright. And one of the biggest things that we can learn as far as not being hypocrites and following the Lord is our integrity. If we say that we're going to do a thing, then we need to do it. Why? Because that is your, um, you know, that's your, I wouldn't say honor, but it's your reputation. Once you become someone that is known that will not keep his word, they just say things, break promises, don't care about whatever, whatever, you know, that tends to um, put your reputation at risk. Okay, because Jesus never committed to anything 
that he did not say, that he did not do. Okay, so God looks at the integrity of the individual, but it talks about those whose hope is in God, those who are perfect before God, those who can keep their word and be true blue. These are the people that God will work with. He says he won't cast them away. Till he fill thy mouth with laughing and thy lips with rejoicing, they that hate thee shall be clothed uh, with shame, and the dwelling place of the wicked shall come to naught. So as you can see, he's talking about, you know, not being a hypocrite, being someone of integrity, because like I said, if we're hypocrites and we're preaching the gospel, which in some ways we all are, because that which is not of faith is sin. So look at the amount of things that we don't believe. And this is why the Bible tells us when our obedience is fulfilled, then we can go and revenge all disobedience. Why? Because you will be authentic. When he says, the spiritual man judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man, because he is a perfect man before, the, before God. Not because he himself is perfect, but Christ in him is perfect meaning that he's someone that walks the truth. He's someone that can't be blamed. He's someone that nobody can point the finger, at least without a, you know, with valid cause to say that this person is not walking right. So one of the greatest um, parts of ministry we can do is really monitor how we live. That's, that's such a huge part because, you know, God wants you to be unblameable by his spirit. So God takes us calling ourselves Christians to come up under that banner as something really important. Let's go to Isaiah 33. And, you know, I was someone when I was younger had a real problem with keeping my word. There was just something about acceptance that I wanted, you know, um, or wanting to be appreciated that I used to say things that I knew I couldn't deliver on. I mean, I don't know how many people out there are listening, but it's just like when you've gone to school one day and people are saying, um, yeah, they all saw the movie, you know, over the weekend, and they'll ask you if you saw it, and because you don't want to be left out, you, oh, yeah, yeah, I saw it. You know, and then they say, okay, so how did it go? And then you start trying to mention things on the commercial, you know, just to prove it, when it would have been so much easier just to say, no, I haven't seen it. No, I don't have it. So God wants to take the play acting right out of us that we might walk in his ways. Man, to be authentic before the Lord. So this is Isaiah 33, and let's look at verse 1. It says, Woe to thee that spoilest, and thou hast not spoiled, and dealest treacherously with thee, uh, dealt not treacherously with thee, uh, when thou hast ceased to spoil thou shalt be spoiled, and when thou shalt make an end to deal treacherously, they shall deal treacherously with thee. So as you can see, God is very serious about his judgment. He's very serious about how he wants us to walk. He's making clear here that, you know, if you're someone that spoils, when you stop spoiling, you still got to reap what you sow. When you've dealt treacherously with someone for so long or, or with people, and you walk out of this and you say, all right, I'm done. I'm going to start doing right. There's still a debt to be paid. You know, that is one of the laws that God puts in place for everybody to stay in line is that you reap what you sow, you know. And, and I think in, in many ways, though it may hurt us, it's fair. 
you know that God wants to do this because this is something that will help us to, one, fear the Lord and monitor what we do to others. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. But you see, hypocrites don't think this way. Hypocrites think in terms of being highly favored. And that's why it's important that we die out to self so that we can really receive what the Lord wants, just being straight honest with our lives, with our feelings, you know, with the things, that, with our status and, and where we truly are. Look at verse 2. O Lord, be gracious unto us. We have waited for thee. Be thou there on every morning our salvation also in the time of trouble. At the noise of the tumult, the people fled. At the lifting up of um, thyself, the nations were scattered. And your spoil shall be gathered like the gathering of the caterpillar, as the running to and fro of locusts shall he run upon them. Now, this is one of the promises that God gave the children of Israel in Deuteronomy 28. He made it very clear that if you will follow my ways and do after what I tell you, he says that you would pretty much be invincible. He said your enemies would come to you seven ways. I mean, they would come to you one way, and when God got through with them, they would scatter seven ways. But God also said when you get to um, Deuteronomy um, 28 and 15, he reverses it. He says, if you don't walk in my statutes or in my ways or do what I tell you to do, the next step is that you would be, um, you know, that you would be before your enemy coming one way and scattering seven ways. He told them that they would be sold unto their enemies, that all these things would happen to them if they walked not with God, okay? So that's one of the things he's talking about here, that Israel would be judged. Verse 5, the Lord is exalted. For he dwelleth on high, he hath filled Zion with judgment and righteousness. And that's one thing we got to understand about God. One of the key things for being a Christian and walking with Christ is understanding one thing. God cannot be wrong. Every judgment that God proclaims is righteous judgment. What we need to do is learn how to have favor with him, walk with him, you know, um, understand what his will is that we may have his favor. But one thing we need to know, because I know a lot of people will ask questions why something happened to them or their families or whatever like that. You know, sometimes it wasn't God. Sometimes through our own sin, you know, things had to happen to us. But that doesn't mean that God can't work with us or heal us. But we've got to be friendly with the Creator. We've got to be obedient to what His will is that He might take care of us. God is not going to heal a body that you try so desperately to tear down. He's not going to fill a spirit with the Holy Ghost, a body with the Holy Ghost, only if you mean to pollute the temple. Okay, so God is very particular in the straight gate and the narrow way and doing what he says. Now, is this easy overnight? No, but it first begins in our honesty because anything that we can't be honest about, the devil will try and cover up, and that gives him a place to hide. So sometimes we're better off just telling the truth about ourselves, so that way when it's open, that light can truly shine in that area and the enemy cannot work its way in. For every secret we've got, for every time that we're double-minded, for every time we don't do what God says, that gives an enemy to a place to hide in you, okay? So we got to understand when that light shineth in us, that is Christ. And what does he want to do? 
microscopically examine us, build us out of glass so that way they can see the truth through and through. That's one of the first things that the Lord tells us to pick up in the full armor of God, to gird up your loins with truth. You want the truth inside out so that no lies, no inroads, no hooks to the enemy can bind you. Okay, so this is important. All right, I want to go to, um, let me keep reading. I believe I stopped in verse um, 6. And it says, And wisdom and knowledge shall be the stability of of thy times and strength uh, of salvation. The fear of the Lord is his treasure. So you see, when a man wants to walk upright, he's got to understand that fearing the Lord is your treasure. Why? Because if you don't do God wrong, then you're on the right side of God, meaning you have his favor. That's a good thing, and that's what the devil tried to convince the church that it didn't need to do. They began to paint Jesus Christ as some type of long-haired hippie that just wanted to walk around with a flower in his mouth and just hug and squeeze and caress everybody. That's not the Jesus Christ that the enemy is trying to paint, okay? The true Jesus, all right, is King of kings, Lord of lords. He is full of love. He is full of grace and truth. Okay, but we got to understand he's also not a God to be played with. He's a God that means what he says. So you see, when we have the fear of the Lord in a right place, that also keeps us from being hypocrites. Why? Because we become God conscious. That means, yeah, I might have got over on you, Michael Adams. I might have got over on you, Sarah. I might have got over on anybody out there listening. But you see, if I'm God conscious, then I know that it's not just you guys that were looking at me and left, but now God is looking at me, and he's always looking at me. He's always got his eyes on me seeing what I'm doing. So you see, the fear of the Lord is, is, is healthy for us. That's your strength. That's your strength and salvation and the treasure of the Lord. Verse 7, behold, their valiant ones shall cry without the ambassadors of peace, shall weep bitterly. The highways lie waste, the wafering man ceaseth. He hath broken the covenant, he hath despised the cities, he regardeth no man. The earth mourneth and languisheth, Lebanon is ashamed and hewn down. Sharon is like a wilderness, and Bashan and Carmel shake off their fruits. Now will I rise, saith the Lord. So you see, all the things that these people had, they were all self-loving, they were all hypocrites, they were all turning on one another. So now God's got to judge a situation righteously. This is verse 10. Now will I rise, saith the Lord. Now will I be exalted. Now will I lift up myself. And you see, not to be funny, but you see, God is the only person, is the only, God can only lift up God. That's what I'm trying to say. If Christ be in you, God can lift you up. If you're growing Christ in you, God can lift you up. But as far as you and I go, we just, God is not going to allow in heaven that which came from heaven. So it's important that we understand that forming Christ in us is the only way to not truly be a hypocrite. Why? Because Jesus never was. All right? So he makes clear, um, he said he will lift himself up. Ye shall conceive chaff, ye shall bring forth stubble, your breath as fire shall devour you. And the people shall be as the burnings of lime, as thorns cut up, uh, shall they be burned with the fire. 
Hear ye that are far off what I have done, and ye that are near acknowledge my might. The sinners in Zion are afraid. Fearfulness hath surprised the hypocrites. Who among us shall dwell with the devouring fire? Who among us shall dwell with everlasting burnings? So what we got to understand here is he's talking about fear surprising the hypocrites. Now, those who are truly of God, when God gets ready to judge a situation, you know that God's not after you. And that's one thing Paul said before he left here. He says that, you know, I, am, um, I have a crown of righteousness laid up for me. He says he's finished his course. So Paul was convinced by the Holy Ghost that he did everything that God wanted him to do. And how did he do that? He laid his life on the line that Christ may be in him and work through him, making Paul not a hypocrite but a man of God, okay, a man full of Christ. But when you're a hypocrite, you're going to be surprised by this because you convinced everybody that you were a Christian and you could do this and you can do that. So when things really jump off in the churches and with the Christians, he's saying, man, that the hypocrite is going to be shocked because he never once thought that he was going to have to walk the talk, that he was going to have to put up or shut up. And, and this is where we're headed. This is what we're going into. So it's so important that we not grow faster than God wants us to. It's so important that we walk with the Lord because he made us and he's going to get us ready for the things that are necessary. But if we're hypocrites, you know, we've got to try and make ourselves better than we are. And that just leaves a huge void in us that God can't get to. You'd rather act than actually have it. And and that's not of the kingdom of God. Okay? So if um, no one has anything to add, bro, I don't mind you um, actually having Sarah in or something like that, you know, because of whatever. She may have something she wants to add. But, you know, outside of that, um, yeah, I mean, hopefully everybody gets an understanding of why it's important that we walk as the way Jesus wants to wants us to and not as we want to because you can't get help as a hypocrite. You know, I remember somebody being broke, you know, growing up, just to give you an example, and people would um, ask me if I needed help. But because I was pretending that I was somebody that had all this money and I had everything due to me, I can't now say I need help. So you see, when, when you're a hypocrite, it binds you. I mean, there were times early in ministry when I was trying to even cast out devils. There was no authority behind my voice when I was halfway in the world because when I would say that, I always even imagined within myself the demon actually saying to me, man, I know how you live. You love the world. So who are you to try and take authority over me? But you see, when you're truly living the way that Jesus wants, man, there's just so much power in the truth. You can't get help if you're a hypocrite. But if you're somebody that can admit where you are, man, God would love to use someone like you. Let's go to Matthew 7. I just want to interrupt and say, Sarah, I opened up your... your uh... Your phone, so if you have any comments, you can certainly say something. So, and uh, excellent teaching so far. Yep. Praise the Lord, because, you know, it's just so funny how when we, um, Sarah and I used to joke about this, too, because when she started in the ministry and I did, 
and we knew we weren't exactly doing what the Lord says to do, we would joke that when we would go to minister to people, it almost felt like the Holy Ghost would be holding a mirror at us, looking back at us like, look at you. <laughs> you know, look at how you live. You're telling this person, don't go to clubs, and you just stopped going to clubs three months ago. You know, it was just one of those things where, <laughs> I mean, God can't be fooled. God looks at the heart. So he knows if we're real or if we're not. He knows if we're seeking our own glory or if we're not. You remember that, Sarah? Oh, yeah. I was just laughing. I had the line <laughs> muted, but I was just laughing. <laughs> you were saying it. I had the Holy Ghost was saying, uh-huh, right, uh-huh, sure. Oh, yeah, oh. Yeah, you just did that last week, didn't you? Uh-huh. Sure. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but keep going. Continue. You know the Holy Ghost saying that. <laughs> it's so true. You know, there's nothing like walking in the truth, and we've got to understand that there is power in the truth. When you are truly doing what God says, man, that gives you such boldness in Christ. And that's not self-righteousness. That's knowing that that which you speak against You've got no part in whatsoever, that you are totally on the side of Christ and you are against that which is antichrist. We all go through this, but, you know, this may be a hurtful teaching for us all tonight, but you know what? It's what we need so we can stop playing and get what God wants to give us. So let's go to Matthew 7. Let's look at verse 1, and it says, Judge not that ye be not judged. This is by far the most single-quoted scripture by unbelievers or people that don't even understand, by sinners, you may as well say, because, you know, they read this one part and somehow you're supposed to back off. But what people need to understand is, you know, there's more to it, and we got to understand what God says. So he says, for with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged, and with what measure are ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. So what is he saying? Why does he say, judge not, lest thou be judged? He's saying that because he wants to make it clear that if you judge wrongly or unrighteously, then God will, you will be judged that way. Okay, so it's important for us to get that this is reciprocal. This is not about don't judge. I mean, because you can't be a Christian and not judge. That's foolishness then how do you tell anybody anything that's wrong? Jesus is going to explain here what he means. Look at verse 3. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considereth not the beam that is in thine own eye? And, man, this is typical fallen man. We love to tell people where they're wrong. And then when we look at our lives, it's like, yeah, you know, (laughs) why don't you follow your own advice, pal? So it says, "For, um, for how wilt thou say? to thy brother, let me pull the mote out of thine eye and behold the beam that is in thine own eye. And I think the Lord is actually giving me more understanding on the scripture why you have the beam and they have the mote. Because if you're someone that is unrighteous, that recognizes someone else's unrighteousness and decide to speak on it, then we don't realize how blind we truly are. So you see, you've got to have the beam in your eye. Okay, because instead of going to that person first, we should be working that out within ourselves first. So, see, in order to tell someone about their life, we got to make sure ours is intact. Other than that, we're a hypocrite. 
Other than that, we've got a beam and they've got a moat. At least they know in their unrighteousness to keep their mouth shut. Now, I'm not telling people from this, don't preach the gospel. All I'm saying is the Lord is looking at the conditions of if you're not committing certain sins, then you can tell people about those sins, okay, because you're not living that way. We all have things that the Lord wants to work out. So I am by no means trying to disempower the gospel. All that the Bible is making clear here is you've got a beam in your eye and you're telling your brother about him. So every time you get ready to tell him about what he's doing, you need to look inwardly first. Am I committing this? Am I doing this? Do I have sins that I also need to repent of so that God can work? You know, and even, and, and it sounds like this individual wouldn't even recognize their sin first and then decide to say, um, Lord, I know what I did the other day and I know this is wrong and I repent of it and I want nothing to do with it and then go tell the person, no. This sounds like an individual that would just shoot off his mouth and not even recognize his sin, but he sees the fault in someone else. You know, and that's why the Bible makes clear that teachers will receive the greater damnation. That's in James 3. That's why he said, let teachers among you be few, because, you know, everybody's not ready to bear that burden for something that they may say or do. I mean, we all got to be uh, sanctified as Christians and have Christ formed in us, but we better be real careful with our words, what we say and what we don't say. Because, you know, if we're teachers, we're held to the greater responsibility. We receive the greater condemnation if we're wrong. Okay, so he says, thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn again and rend you. So you see that the whole point is about not being a hypocrite, pursuing what God tells us to do and doing what he says. Why? Because when the truth is in us, that only compels and empowers some people, because I'm only saying some. Some people, no matter what you do, they won't tell them. But in many cases, God, I mean, they won't believe it. But in many cases, God has a way of when you are walking the truth, he will back up and confirm every word you say. Now you know where the power is in the churches. Now you know why it's not really there, because we haven't fully given ourselves to Christ. But one thing God will stand with is the truth. When you have given yourself to him, when you have believed what he says, and when we're doing what God asks us to do, then we can proclaim the gospel with boldness. And guess who's going to stand there with you? The one who says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. That is Jesus Christ. So you see, he's only going to confirm that which is true. He's only going to place his power on that which is true. I realize, you know, some sermons I give, they are backed by the Lord, convicting. And then there were some in my life that I've given that have been so dry because the Lord has told me, yeah, I'm still working these things out with you too. And ain't nothing like walking this out in the truth. Sarah, if you want to add anything, you can. If not, I'm just going to look at verse 7 and verse 8 and then go on. All right. So this is Matthew 7, um, 7 and 7. He says, ask and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. 
For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and him that knocketh it shall be opened. So what is the Lord looking for here? Humility. Be honest about your situation, man. You know who you are. Lord, I'm lacking. Lord, I can do nothing aside from you. Lord, I've messed up real bad today. And I'm just wondering, Lord, just forgive me that I can go forward and do what you tell me to do. But he said, man, seek and you'll find it. Ask and it shall be given. But you know what a hypocrite will tell you? Man, I cast out 15 demons last week. It was just me and the devil, man. And I was just, you know, going on all of them. Knowing you ain't got the Holy Ghost. So then when somebody says, okay, well, um, you know, well, we're going to have a prayer service tonight that the Holy Ghost will drop on everybody. See, now you can't go. Why? Because you already told everybody you got the Holy Ghost. But this is what I'm saying. We've got to learn to be honest in our circumstances. God is a gracious giver. But that's why he talks about jars or pitchers that are full, that cannot receive the Spirit, or even broken for that matter, because, you know, what you're saying is in lies. It's not true. But if we're honest, Lord, I am but a child. I don't know how to do this. Lord, I know I say a lot of things, but I would like to have even more from you. See, God is willing to give to people like that, but to the hypocrite, he's got nothing because the hypocrite can't even be real about his situation. Let's go to Matthew 6. Just going back one. And, you know, all of us share a bit of hypocrisy in our lives. How do I know this? Because Christ has not been fully formed in us. We're not going everywhere doing what he does. So that tells us that, you know, for many of the things that we proclaim, we still got to learn to walk in and live in. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like he said, seek, ask, and knock, and God will give it to you. But if you pretend that you've already got it, there's nothing for him to do. I mean, knowing our situations can be messed up. Pray. Pray about it. You know, he's, he's a gracious God. He's a loving father. He's a Messiah that prays for us day and night, that we make it. But we first got to open up our lives. This is Matthew 6. Let's look at verse 1, and it says, Take heed that ye do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, ye have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. So you don't think God the Father is watching on everything we say? You don't think God the Father is sitting there looking at your heart, knowing if what you're doing is, is truly genuine, or is it out for your own glory? He's right here saying, man, you know, you give out stuff. Say, man, you're going to be rewarded if you give righteously. But if you give wrong, man, you know, you've got no reward from God because you're getting your glory and just by the way you, you want to be perceived. Look at verse 2. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound the trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. So as you can see, God is just trying to open up their lives. And one thing the Pharisees didn't understand is that Jesus did love them. Because everybody talks about, man, Jesus really ripped into the Pharisees. He loved them, but they became full, full jars. There was no room for Jesus to work in their lives. There was no room for him to tell them what they needed to know because they already knew or so they thought. So you see, what he's saying is these guys love their own glory. They love to go into the synagogues and pray and talk about all these things so that people can see them as holy men. 
instead of recognizing, hey, I'm someone that's in need. All right? Look at verse 3. But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thine alms may be in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. So you see, God the Father is a rewarder of those who are in truth, those who can be honest, those who are not seeking glory, those who are only lifting up Christ. He's a rewarder of them that want to please and seek God's will. So it says in verse um, uh, verse 5, And when thou prayest, thou shalt not pray as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. And, you know, it's it's funny like this that I've seen in a lot of religious circles and churches and other things. You know, you got somebody praying, just talking, just to talk, just saying all these marvelous things, trying to find other things to say so that they can be seen as a prayer warrior or someone real powerful in prayer. I'm not talking about people that really are praying for real before the Lord. But come on, guys, you know when you hear somebody praying and they're just trying to sound good and trying to say everything right. You know, there's no power behind that. And, I mean, I've been guilty of even thinking in my mind, oh, boy, I wish they would just be quiet. You know, like, let it be over. But they think because of, you know, their oratory and what they're looking for to be seen. Man, there's no power in that. So he's calling those people, you know, hypocrites, those people that are seeking reward and not being truly honest about ourselves. All right? So he says, um, but thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy father, which is in secret, and thy father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. So what you see there is, you know, I've even noticed, I've had to check myself with this, but there are times I pray often during the day with friends around and, you know, other believers and things like that. And then I found myself when people leave, I'm lacking in some areas. Like I'm not praying as strong. I might be reading a book. I may be doing whatever, but why isn't my prayer matching, you know, the same as if as if people were here? So you see, who we are in our alone time, that's the real you. Don't try and fix it. Don't try and butter it up. Pray before God that we can become authentic and do what God says, okay? Because what we do in most cases, we're play actors. That's what you find a lot of, you know? And I'm not saying that I don't say authentic things. And, you know, this is just one of those self-reflective moments that, you know, the Lord is just digging deep. There are times the Lord will speak through me and say things that I need to hear of myself, whether I'm teaching or otherwise. But praise the Lord for it because he's not letting this go unheard of. He's not letting this go where, you know, you can feel great when God can see that there's something wrong that we need to correct before him. That's a beautiful thing. That's the chastisement of the Lord. But it still holds true. We've got to be honest. We've got to be honest. Verse 7, and when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. So that's the other thing. A lot of people, you find this in the Catholic churches and a lot of other places, you know, they'll repeat the same prayer again and again and again. And, you know, I just want to tell them God is not deaf 
He can hear you. He know what you said the first time. What does it take to pray before the Lord? One, to repent of your sins. I tell people that. Before you get on your knees, before we enter into prayer, ask God to forgive you of your sins because they are many. Ask him to show you the error in your ways, and then you go down in prayer asking the Lord for what you need. I'm not saying it's a system that you've got to do it like that, but we've got to recognize that we're coming before the Lord. So our hearts need to be sincere. They need to be pure. They need to be in a place where they can be poked and pricked. And we, we've made ourselves available for him so that he can now give us what we need. You know, it's not a strategy. It's just more of keeping it real. Keep it real, man. Who are you really? Keep it real. If you want to add anything, Sarah, you can. Uh, yeah, on that, too, about uh, the play acting and whatnot, because I remember, especially, like, first coming to know Christ, and it really is also what people need to understand, a maturing process in the Lord. Because the more mature we get with him, the more we understand why he corrects us and why he says, okay, you shouldn't have said this, you shouldn't have done that, you should have done it this way. No, you don't need to talk right now because this other person's other person is bringing forth a point. You need to listen. And so, so sometimes people that want to be heard is not necessarily because they have it within themselves. They have to speak out and they have to say certain things simply because they have to show how righteous they are when it's like, no, you're not. You don't have to go around boasting about how much you prayed you know, 10 times a day and, and how you fasted and how you did this and how you did that because that's something between us and the Lord. But I noticed that, like, within the first, you know, two or three years, and mind you, it's like I really have to still seek the Lord that he gives me that spirit of discernment to keep, you know, things between he and I on certain things. But, man, that first couple of years I was like, yeah, I fasted today. What about you? Mm-hmm. And it's like, who cares? <laughs> That's not important, you know, but you got to show how how holy art thou, you know, to other people when it's like the Lord, like you're saying, he's still working those things out of our life. And it's almost like you get an excitement that the Lord saved you, but you do it in ignorance. And he knows we do a lot of things in ignorance, especially when we first get saved. But it is a maturing process. It really is because the more mature you get, not to say that the boldness goes away, but you understand how humbling and how what the humility is all about. And there are certain things that in just like if you're married and you have a personal relationship with somebody, there are certain things of that marriage you're not going to tell the outside world because that's between you and that person. So the same thing holds true for our relationship with Jesus Christ. There are certain things that are personal between us and him but the outside, we, they know about our fasting, but the time and the prayer, that's between us and him, you know? That's right, because people may ask the question, well, if he's saying all this stuff tonight, how is it possible that he can teach a lesson about it? you got to understand, any true man of God will keep himself humble before the Lord. And what Paul always referred to himself as a wretched man before God. Paul kept going back to, man, I was this, I was that, I was this. Not that he was trying to live in defeat, but Paul was recognizing, Lord, in your presence, I am nothing beside you. When those guys used to fast, those kings back in the old days, 
man, they would strip down in sackcloth and ashes and lay before God looking like a ragamuffin, you know, in order to receive what God has. So I'm not trying to say this through some false humility or whatever or get any credit. I want people to understand that the closer you draw to God, the more that you realize you need him. The more that you realize these things are not being done of yourself, the more you realize how phony you are in comparison to who he is. And that's why he talks about seeking and hun- um, thirsting and hungering after righteousness so that we can be filled. You don't just get one touch overnight and you become righteous. You know that's a lie. You know sanctification even after salvation. You know it takes a while. You know that God slowly and methodically works things out in your life. Okay? You don't just become perfect and ready for heaven the moment that you give your life to Christ. I mean, you got a, you got some stuff that God needs to pull out of you. And we all know this. The thief on the cross, I like how we broke down that teaching. I think it was, what, was seven months ago? But it was so, you know, funny how he said few words. But those few words were the gospel. And we don't have time to get into that. Anybody interested on that with the thief on the cross, go to SoundTrumpetMinistries.com and just look it up. That's the title, The Thief on the Cross. But what he said and what he did in those few moments was equivalent to anything that anybody who accepted Jesus today and walking this thing out did. He was repenting before the Lord. He recognized his situation. He says, you know, I'm a, we are sinners, but he is not. You know, so he was clearly recognizing that an innocent man was paying his debt. And more importantly, even on the cross, where every Christian is supposed to be spiritually, you know, and somewhat physically, not the physical cross, but to go through the process of breaking down the flesh. But it just so happened that he believed God. And and he was not asking to be set free from his circumstances What he wanted was eternal life because he recognized, I'm a no good man. So he didn't ask, oh, well, free us and free yourself like the other one did. He said, man, I only got one question, one thing I want from you because I believe you're the Messiah, just how you loved and these people hate you. But he said, you know, when when the um, time comes, will you open up your kingdom for me? And Jesus said, this day you will be with me in paradise. Why? Because he asked because he was real about his situation. And we got to get real so that God can get real or become more real is more like it. So he says, um, I believe I'm in verse uh, 8, and it says, Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before you ask him. After this manner therefore pray, Our Father which art in heaven. Okay, so how are we praying? To the Father, not on earth, in heaven. Hallowed be thy name, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. In earth as it is in heaven. Not just on earth, but your will be done in me. Being real, that's what this is about. And then he says, give us this day our daily bread. Give us your word, Lord. Give us that meat that Jesus says that we know not of. This is what we need to live. Man don't live by bread alone, you know, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, and lead us not into temptation. So, see, when you ask the Lord to forgive you your debts as you forgive your debtors, 
what we got to understand is we all owe somebody. See, that's keeping it real. You know, that's, that's keeping it to a place of, Lord, what you've done for me can never be paid back. So I need to forgive like these people, are, like I'm asking to be forgiven. That's keeping it real. Not, not trying to put some status over somebody. Look at 13, and lead us not into temptation, uh, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So we got to recognize that it's all about Jesus. It's all about the Father, his kingdom, his glory, his power forever. Okay? All you ask is that you be taken away from the temptation, but all belongs to God. Verse 14, for if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. So someone that is willing to forgive someone their trespasses is someone that recognizes that they've trespassed against the Lord. More importantly, the Lord is watching and he's calling for forgiveness. I don't care what somebody has done to you. You need to forgive them. You need to forgive them, okay, because an, an unforgiving heart is not of the Lord. Okay, so verse 15, but if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive you forgive your trespasses. So it seems like that's a losing situation for you when you don't even want to recognize that, hey, I got something greater at stake, like my eternal soul. I need to keep it real and forgive this person because God the Father, I owe him things that I could never pay the debt. Okay, so Jesus Christ came to pay this debt for us, but we've got to look to him and stop looking for status for us. Man, it's sickening because self stinks. Uh, anybody want to add anything? No, guess not. I thought I heard somebody click in for a minute, but, you know, look at verse 16. Moreover, when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear unto men to fast verily, I say unto you, they have their reward. So you see, what he's saying is a hypocrite has to outwardly perform. And that saying is so true. It's not a biblical scripture, but I'm sure there's one to back it. But it says, you know, empty wagons make a lot of noise. When someone is empty, man, they got nothing to back themselves up. So they've got to puff themselves up and make themselves more than they are. But he said the hypocrites would show the sad countenance. See, everybody, I'm fasting. I look like I can't, you know, like I've been walking through the desert. And, and you know what? I used to do this foolishness when I first started out in the Lord. I used to do that because I wanted people to look at me. Hey, what's wrong with you? Oh, man, it's been day five. And, man, oh, what's wrong? Are you okay? Yeah, man, just fasting before the Lord. You know, nobody wants to, but just doing what I got to do. So how long have you been fasting? About seven days. Seven days? Wow, I only fasted one. And then you're there with your chest stuck out. So Jesus said, okay, since you want to brag about that, there'll be no reward for you. But you see, this is, this is how we have to lose self so that God can work with us. Look at 17. But thou, when thou fastest, anoint thine head and wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. So, you know, that's the goodness of God that he tells us that we need to forsake ourselves for him. Man, let's get full of Christ and let's stop pretending. I mean, this is pathetic. This is, this is you know, 
the pride of life is going to be that thing that's going to hold a lot of people up because instead of being what they want, what they should be, they want to pretend to be it. Tell you, there's no place for the Lord. Let's go to Matthew 15. Matthew 15, let's look at verse 1. So it says, Then came to Jesus scribes and Pharisees, which were of Jerusalem, saying, Why do thy disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. And he answered and said unto them, Why do, why do ye also transgress the commandment of God by your tradition? So do you notice that Jesus, when people were lacking, but they chose to speak boldly as if they weren't. Jesus always hit them in that place that they might understand, okay, you're absolutely right. He always tried to bring them to a place of understanding, but instead they chose to compete with him and to um, hold on to what they felt. And what's interesting about that is remember in Matthew chapter 3 when John the Baptist was baptizing people, that the Pharisees eventually came out there in the wilderness to see what all the, you know, the hubbub was about. And they thought that they would get baptized too. And John the Baptist refused. He said, bring forth meat showing that you have repented. Bring forth fruit actually showing that you have repented. Where's your humility out here? Where's your repenting before God so that way he can fail you? And, you know, churches are full of this because, you know, I was told, advised by a very good friend when I got into ministry, they advised me, who was someone pretty experienced in um, ministry, said, make sure that you keep your ministry transparent. Make sure that you have no problem telling people about you. And, you know, I I couldn't understand that for the life of me. I'm like, why would people want to know about what I'm doing? But you see, there's a disconnect with a lot of ministries today because, You know, people have often wondered, I know I have, do pastors have any of the same troubles that I do? Do they struggle with some things sometimes? Because they just seem so super, and I just seem like somebody that's, um, you know, struggling, but they tend to have it all. Man, they don't make any mistakes. They don't tell you anything about their falls or their lives or anything like that. Man, it just seems like they're walking in perfection. Trust me, they're not. I'm not saying that they're doing maybe the things that you might be doing that's listening to them, but I will say is they've got their own struggles if they can keep it real. And you see, that's what it's about. So when they told me keep it transparent, hey, if you got flaws, talk about them, man, because there should be a connection between you and them, okay? And it's not a false humility, but it's something to show people, hey, I'm not much better than you. The only difference between those who are going to hell and those who are not are those who have received Christ as Lord and Savior and allowing him to work in their lives that he might clean them up. That's it. Other than that, you are just like Adam without the spirit. So that's something that we've got to work on and let the Lord work in us, that these guys are, you know, arguing with Jesus, and he's asking them, why do you transgress over your sins? I mean, you keep the tradition. So you're a transgressor too. All right, look at four. For God commanded, saying, Honor thy father and thy mother, and he that curseth father or mother, let him die the death. But ye say, Whosoever shall say to his father or his mother, It is a gift, by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me. 
and honor not his father or his mother, he shall be free. Thus ye have made the commandment of God of none effect by your tradition. So the Bible, again, we talked about this before. We are to honor our parents. God never tells you that certain things are not okay if he had commanded them. That's the first commandment with promise. Why? Because honoring your parents is honorable before God because Jesus himself never went against his father. You know, it teaches us structure. It teaches us command authority. Why he tells you to obey the ministers, obey the pastors, those that watch over your soul, because it teaches you discipline and how, um, you know, things ought to be. It's not a ranking order thing, but it teaches you honor and respect. Because, you see, a lot of people will run before God saying, I'm a good man, but will curse their mother, their brother, or anybody else, and then, you know, make excuses for it. And that's why God says, how can any man say that he loves God whom he can't see but not love his brother he sees daily? That's a hypocrite, okay? You can't say, Lord, I love you, I love you, I love you, but you won't go and preach the gospel. That's a hypocrite. Anyway, you know, I'm going to verse, uh, uh, verse 7. He said, ye hypocrites. Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Now, this is something that we really need to ask the Lord to come into our hearts and work out. Because I've found two kinds of people in church. You've got some people that will hear this and say, You know, that's true. That's why we need to preach the gospel and do whatever but yet they're so callous and stoic they can't even hear what God says. Then you've got the soft, tender-hearted person that says, oh, no, we need to love everybody because they're afraid, but then they don't preach the gospel. Both are hypocrites. Both are. This thing, like we talked about already, the truth has to be lived. It's got to be walked out in your life. You can't proclaim things that you don't do. You can do it, but you have no power, and God doesn't stand behind it. So, you know, first and foremost, we need to ask ourselves, on what side of things are we, and commit to that side so that the truth in Christ can live in us. But the more you become like Jesus, the more the Holy Ghost will get on your case, and he'll let you know that wasn't right. And you say, yeah, but I used to do it that way. Yeah, well, you didn't have the understanding then. I'm telling you now, it's wrong. And we got to yield to that process. We got to yield to the Holy Ghost because that is our only way back home. He says um, in verse 9, But in vain, in vanity, do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. And he called the multitude and said unto them, Hear, hear and understand. So you see, these people would cling to tradition, but they wouldn't follow Jesus. Verse 11, Not that, uh, not that which goeth into the mouth defileth the man, but that which cometh out of the mouth, this defileth the man. So he's making very clear to them that it's a heart problem. The real issue comes from within, okay? We're not hypocrites because it's what we do. We're hypocrites because that is what we are. We don't sin because it's what we do. We sin because that's what we are. And that's why the Bible makes clear, he that sins is of the devil. 
That's why we need to grow Christ in us. And I know this is a hard message, and I'm hoping that people really understand that I'm not picking and poking and trying to make you feel less. Yes, we are saved by the grace of God. But through that grace, God has got work to do in us that we can be made clean. Okay? I'm not saying we won't have some issues, but the Bible makes clear God can conquer all sin. He can take all things that are not of him away from us. But what we need to know how to do is really ask, really seek, really knock, really look at ourselves. And that's why the Bible tells us on many occasions not to think of ourselves higher than we actually are. Don't do it. See yourself as nothing that God can make you someone. Jesus walked in this earth with no reputation. He came as a man, you know, of no rep, carpenter's son. He came in the form of a servant. And they said that he remained obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God the Father highly exalted him and gave him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. So the way that God's kingdom is down. But when you're a hypocrite, you know, you seek up first. And if you do um, find yourself trying to be humble as a hypocrite, you're only doing it for more glory. You'll tell people about certain things only that you might get puffed up. We've got to really speak from the heart that comes from Christ and be authentic with what we say, having no other purpose other than souls being saved or God being glorified. Now, I know that sounds like a hard thing, but I love how the Bible says with Jesus that there was no guile in his mouth. No deceit, nothing there but a pure heart that people might get saved. What a God. So you see, our problem is from within. It's not what's with, without. It's what's within that keeps us from doing what God says. So what do we need? More of Jesus, less of ourselves. Let's stop trying and let's start dying out to self so that God can take the body and do what he needs to do. Sarah, if you don't have anything to add, I want to go to Matthew 23. Just real quick on that, what you said about um, the churches today and, like, the pastors, you know, it seems like their life is so perfect and it's not. And we know that ministries, it reflects what the pastor or what the minister is doing and it reflects what he's saying. And so that's why it's like we are the children of of whoever that pastor or whoever that minister is, because just like children will mimic their parents, the ministry mimics, for the most part, will mimic that pastor, right? So when he shows his hypocrisy, it goes, trickles down onto the church. And so that's why a lot of people today, you know, we hear it when we go out there and evangelize that people say, well, you know, I went to this church or I went to that church and it just, you know, I just had such bad experiences because the people there just seemed fake and, blah, 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 and that's why a lot of people today are turning from Jesus Christ because so-called Christian or the so-called church is not living in accordance to his word. They, I mean, people know our story. They know who I was. They know I was a drunk and I cursed and smoked and got tattoos, did all sorts of stuff, you know, on the verge of being a lesbian some years ago and how the Lord came in and transformed me. But that's what people need to see. They need to see what he did for us. 
So they know that there is hope that he can do the same for them. But that's why people have got to get away from that hypocrisy. Absolutely. And then, you know, I didn't go there tonight. I wanted to, but we can, um, in your spare time, guys, read John chapter 10, where Jesus compares that he is the good shepherd. He lays down his life for his sheep. He says that all his sheep know his voice. So what we're talking about is those who are authentic before the Lord, those who have really laid their lives down and allowed God to work in them. Okay, so that's what's awesome. But then he talks about the hireling. The hireling careth not for the sheep. The hireling will flee when danger comes because he's in hireling. He wasn't serious from the get-go. So that's a good one to read, um, John 10 in your spare time. Jesus compares himself as the door. If any man knock, you know, he may enter in, but there was no way to make it without Jesus. So we might as well be up front with him because he knows everything anyway. And I don't know, Mike, um, if you heard. Well, obviously you had to because you put it up in the video. But when that guy was talking about he saw the day of judgment, he mentioned that um, your life holds you hand to hand. So, you know, he says if you would try and say something that you didn't do in the day of judgment, your life would actually speak over you and testify against you. So you see, there is no getting by in this other than for us to be authentic and upfront with the Lord. And I'll tell you what having a transparent life does after me living one not so transparent for so long. It gives you a good pillow to sleep on at night. You know, just to be real with yourself so that God can work with you. You know, having no reason to lie to anybody because you don't even want to lie to yourself. You want to keep it real because you know who you are, you know who you were, and you know who you found that is working things out with you. Man, it's a beautiful thing to have God work in our lives. So this is Matthew 23, look at verse 1, and it says, Then spake Jesus to the multitude and his disciples, I mean, um, and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and Pharisees sit in uh, Moses' seat. All therefore whatsoever they bid you, observe that observe and do, but do not ye after their works, that they say and do not. <laughs> so he's saying, okay, the Pharisees did hold some sense of truth in the law, you know, or tradition. Why? Because, you know, a lot of them knew the law. They knew the word. So he said, yeah, you can observe and do those, but don't do what, they, what they're really like, how they say and do not. You know, like in other words, if you say it, then you need to do it. But don't try and be something that you're not or, or try and get other people to do it. And that's what we can really love about our Lord and Savior is that he's someone that went first. He was the first fruits of his kind. He laid down his life first and then turned to us and said, you ought to lay down your lives for the brethren. This is all about authenticity. All right? So he says in verse 4, for they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be born, I mean born uh, and, lay on, and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move one of them with their fingers. So we're talking about those that will tell you all this stuff, but they won't do any of it. Like we talked about, the truth has to be lived, verse 5. But all their works they do for to be seen of men. They make broad their phylacteries like their books, you know, because if you got large phylacteries, 
it's almost like you have you're very studied. So large phylacteries is like having a book full of the thicker your phylacteries were, it meant that you were more studied. So they made their phylacteries broad just to show people they know a lot, acting in pride, you know, and enlarge the borders of their garments because high priests have the wider garments. Like, in other words, they're, you know, they've got some status. And love the uppermost rooms at feast and the chief seats in the synagogues and greetings in the markets and to be called of men, rabbi, rabbi. So you see, a title becomes important to people when you got the status. Now, one um, thing that a lot of pastors do that I suggest that no pastor does because it's blasphemy is to call yourself reverend. The word reverend is only um, applicable to Jesus. It's only applicable to God. No man has the right within himself to call himself a reverend. I mean, that's almost like a Catholic thing, but that's taking it way too far. Okay, when you call yourself reverend, it means like you're holy. You know, you're somebody that is, um, what do you call it? Like not touched. So the word, the term reverend is not a good term for a man. That's only applicable to God. All right? So it says um, these guys love the uppermost rooms, and they love to be called rabbi. But be not ye called rabbi, for one is your master, even Christ, and all ye are brethren. So you see, no matter what status a person has, whether they're a pastor, whether they're a shepherd or, or anything else, deacon, there's no status above another. Now, God does have an order in the way the church runs, but what a pastor is to you and I, he's just your big brother in the Lord that knows more than you that's teaching you some things. That's it. He's watching after your soul. It's an office given by God, but it made clear we are not to be lords over God's inheritance. So you say, I don't even want to be called minister or pastor or whatever. You can call me your brother because that's what I truly am. You know, we're brothers and sisters in the Lord. You know the only reason I put that um, minister even on the site for me is because there's already a Derek Hallett out that's got a whole bunch of videos that's hard for people to find. That's the only real reason. But you see, we're all called to be ministers, so it's not a special office. All right? So anyway, um, verse uh, 8, But be not ye called rabbi, for one is your master, even Christ, and all ye are brethren, and call no man your father. You hear that, Roman Catholics? Upon the earth. For one is your Father which is in heaven. Neither be ye called masters. You hear that, Freemasons and martial artists? You can't call anybody your master. For one is your master, even Christ. But he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. Okay, so when someone is considered great, that's what we better understand in ministry, that, you know, ministry is a servant's work. It's not a status work. It's not a um, stardom work. And anyone truly involved in ministry knows what I'm saying. It puts more on you to minister, to teach, to help people with their walk with the Lord, to be open to criticism than it is to actually act like you're somebody big that can't be questioned. That's not the true office of ministering. Ministry makes you a servant before the Lord. It puts more on you than it actually takes away or or builds you up. You know, it, it, it gives you more responsibility. And you go through some stuff, man. So um, verse 12, 
And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased. And he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. But woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, for ye neither go in yourselves, neither suffer ye them that are entering to go in. So you yourself don't even want God. This is what he's saying of the Pharisees. You yourself aren't even going to heaven by your doctrine, by the way you live, by the things you do. But then you preach false doctrine to keep other people from going in. I mean, you know, that's, that's pretty bizarre. But this is, this is what we deal with today. All right, so he says in verse 14, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayer. Therefore ye shall receive the greater damnation. So you make long prayer not to God but for your status as a Pharisee hypocrite, but you devour widows' houses. You take from the poor and the needy, you know, the, the oppressed. You take offerings and things from them, but yet you don't look after them. This is what he's talking about. They'll receive the greater damnation because even if you were someone of the Old Testament, you knew the first Lord was to have no other gods before God. You knew God was a jealous God. You knew how he felt about it. And the Bible says in Deuteronomy, I can't remember which um, chapter exactly, but he says, if you seek the Lord with all your heart, there you will find him with your heart and soul. So you see the rules haven't changed. Loving the Lord is what is first and foremost, not seeking your own glory. So he says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye can pass sea and land to make one proselyte, and when he is made, ye yourselves, I mean, ye make him twofold the child of hell than yourselves. So they like to go out and try and win souls. They like to try and go out. They'll go far just to win one person unto the faith. But then the next move is they make that person worse. And this is what a lot of churches do to people. They bind people. They make people religious. They got people following all these rules but never telling you get to Christ. So you see, this is, this is what we're still dealing with even to this day, making you twofold the child of hell. One, because you're following someone that's not of Christ. And two, they're not giving you what you need to have him. Verse 16, woe unto you. I mean, woe unto you, ye blind gods, which say, Whosoever shall swear by the temple, it is nothing. But whosoever shall swear by the gold of the temple, he is a debtor. Ye fools and blind, for whether is greater, the gold or the temple that sanctifieth the gold. So, you know, they got it backwards. These guys are talking about the gold, you know, worshiping the gold, and you're a debtor to it. But he's talking about, man, the temple itself is more. Is more important than the gold. So I hope as Christians one day we can even figure this out. If we are the temple of the living God, then we need to really cherish this temple and treat it like the place that God really lives in and not try and shower it with all the rewards of the world as if those things are increasing your status with God. They're not. So he says in verse 18, And whosoever shall swear by the altar, it is nothing. But whosoever sweareth by the gift, uh, that is upon it, he is guilty. The fo Ye fools and blind, for whether is greater, the gift or the altar that sanctifieth the gift. And that's what we got to look at. What is more important to us, the gift or the altar that sanctifieth the gift? It's always about Christ. It's never about you and I. Aside from Jesus, we've got nothing. Whosoever, therefore, 
or shall swear by the altar, sweareth by it, and by all things thereon. And whoso shall swear by the temple, sweareth by it, and by him that dwelleth therein. And he that shall swear by heaven, sweareth by the throne of God, and by him that sitteth thereon. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye pay tithe of men, and anise, and cumming, these are all plants, and spices, and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, uh, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought ye to have done, and not to leave the other undone. So what do these people love to do? They love the things that are most important. You even find this in churches. What they should be talking about, they don't. But what they put a lot of stock in is either paying your tithe, either loving your neighbor or doing whatever. Wait a minute. What about homosexuality? Okay, what about sin? What about greed? What about pride? What about the things that we really need concerning Christ? You see, these things get swept under the rug, and that's why the Lord has taught me, don't pay so much attention to what is said. Pay attention to what's not being said. Because, you see, those people have, in many cases, things to hide. What won't you talk about? Because in God's economy, especially as a minister, you leave no stones unturned, and that includes your own life. That's what it is to walk in the truth. Look at verse 24. You blind guides would strain at a net and swallow a camel. So what is he saying? They're majoring in minors. They major in minors. Little things that mean nothing, they got, you know, they're talking all day and night about. But the things that are detrimental to the body, they leave quiet because they don't want to get themselves dirty. Verse 25, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye make clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. So that, that goes back to what Jesus was saying. Many will profess me with their lips but their heart's far from me. These people are having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. They're considering themselves just by how they're seen by others as holy, godly men, knowing in their heart they're full of sin, full of iniquity, full of greed, full of the things that you want in this life. That's what Jesus is calling them right now. Um, anybody want to add anything? Because I just heard you open up, so I don't know. Maybe it was just me. So he says in verse 27, uh, no, verse 26, Thou blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which is within the cup, and platter that the outside of them may be clean also. So you see, that goes back to nothing within a man defileth I mean, without a man defileth him, but that which is inside. So we need to learn, for one, to conquer inner space, let Jesus work in us, then we can righteously judge our brother, making us not hypocrites. So he says in 27, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye are like unto whited sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within, full of dead men's bones and full of uncleanness. So you see, outwardly, a whited sepulcher, or like a white tomb, would be beautiful, maybe made of ivory, maybe made of, you know, some white granite or whatever it is. It would look beautiful. You know, a whited sepulcher, a clean sepulcher, but it's still a tomb. And on the inside of the tomb, you've got dead men's bones. No life, no Holy Ghost, none of what they're preaching, you know, just, just full of death, full of that which is not, not with God. Verse 28, even so ye also outwardly 
appear righteous unto men, but within you are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. Now, you know, Jesus said these things to the Pharisees, but each one of us can take something from here and say, you know, this hurts, but thank you, Jesus, because unless I'm walking like you, how can I please you? That's why Romans 12 and 1 first talks about presenting your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. The second, don't be conformed to this world. What do they say in James um, chapter 1 at the end? True religion and undefiled is what? Taking care of the widows and the oppressed and being unspotted from the world. That's all God is interested in. Not living like the course of this world and loving your neighbor. Because if Christ lives in you and the love of Christ is in us, that's how we're going to live. Okay, so these are things that God is trying to convince us of. But he says, woe unto you, uh, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you build the tombs of the prophets and garnish the sepulchers of the righteous. So they honor the prophets, but they destroy the lives of all the others, like people like Creflo Dollar, and say, if we had been in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. So these people are saying, if we were around back then, there's no way in the world we would have done what these people have done to the prophets. Look what Jesus says. Wherefore, ye be witnesses unto yourselves, that ye are the children of them which killed the prophets. Fill ye up then the measure of your fathers, ye serpents, ye generation of vipers. How can you escape the damnation of hell? So, you know, the Lord wants us to be repentant. He wants us to have a realistic view of ourselves that he can work in our lives and that he can clean us up. Matthew 24, and I'm done. But I'm not trying to say to people here that God can't make it right. I'm not saying to live in condemnation and shame. But one thing we have to do is walk in the truth. If you go to John 4 and 24, what does it say? God is a spirit. And them that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Okay, so we've got to learn to walk righteously before God so that the truth, the Jesus that we're all waiting for, that his power, his life will stand up in us and will make real and back what we say. Matthew 24, and we're going to begin at verse uh, 34, and I'm going to close out from there. Matthew 24 and 34, he says, Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, uh, no, not the angels in heaven, but my Father only. So only the Father knows, okay, what it's going to be like or when the last day or the coming of Christ will be, not even Jesus. Verse 37, but as the days of Noah, which is Noah, were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that, of, of that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. So as you can see, most people are going to live their lives play acting. They're going to live their lives enjoying it. They're not going to care for the warnings that God is giving until God shuts the door of the ark, which is Christ. 
Okay, so we need to know that these times are here. We know that most people don't obey what God says, but we still need to preach the gospel and to have power behind the gospel. We cannot be pretenders. Verse 39, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Then shall two be in the field, the one shall be taken and the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill. The one shall be taken and the other left. So as you can see, play acting doesn't benefit anyone. What um, 2 Timothy chapter 2 says, make no mistake with this one thing, the Lord knoweth them that are his. So instead of trying to look good before people, we need to know that we belong to the Lord. And the only way we're going to do that is live by his spirit and, and, and in his truth. Okay, being authentic. But as you can see, some will be taken on the day of Christ and others will be left. So you see, and it sounds like when it says two in a bed, you know, these people are married. But you see, there is possible, it is possible that one really does believe Jesus and is pursuing him and the other is playing around. So you see, don't think that we're going to be sanctified by what church we go to. We cannot be hypocrites. We've got to be authentic before the Lord. All right? So he says um, in verse uh, 42, Watch therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. Now, this is how we need to walk, because what if you're actually, you know, walking around telling lies and you get shot or you have a car accident? Guess where you're going? You know, so we have to watch and therefore and pray and look at every situation as if it's our last day. We're supposed to be living like we're expecting Jesus to come at any moment. And see, for you, that is possible because some people may say, no, well, other things have to happen first before the coming of Jesus. And not for you. If your life ends now, guess where you're going? There is no time in eternity. Okay, so, you know... <laughs> Derek Prince believed, and I'm not going to say that I believe that that's true, but he believed because eternity is timeless, and that's where we go when we die, that he believes that you might actually see the coming of Christ right then and there. Everything may actually play out for you in your life because there is no time. You know, I don't know if that's true or not. All I know is he said that the dead in Christ will rise. You know, um, everyone has their appointed time before the Lord, whether you're dead or alive. So that's what I cling to. But um, he says in verse 43, but know this, that if the good man of the house had known and what watched of the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. So you see, God's not going to play that game where he's going to give a date and announce it. I'll be back in 2025 on May 7th, okay, because what would people do? They would fool around till then, until about May 1st, and then all of a sudden become sanctified. God is saying, if you're really of me, you don't need to worry about when I'm coming. You just need to do what I tell you I'm doing, because it made clear in um, 1 Thessalonians 5 that many are going to be caught unawares. He says, I come as a thief in the night. All right, verse 45, who then... Is a, faith, is a faithful and wise servant whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household to give them meat in due season. Blessed is that servant 
whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find him doing. Verily I say unto you that he shall make him ruler over all his goods. So as you can see, if we're diligent and steadfast in doing what God says, you know, um, God is going to be pleased when he comes back. This sounds like the parable of the talents. You know, this sounds like the the um, ten virgins, the sheep and the goats, you name it. You know, we've got to keep that oil in our vessels, but we got to first get some by knowing that we don't have any and ask the Lord for it. You know, seeking him, just keeping it real, that's all I'm saying. I don't want to beat a dead horse here, but he says that person is blessed that if God comes back and he catches them doing, that person was treating every day as if it was the coming of Christ. So he says, um, verse 48, But and if that evil servant shall say in his heart, My Lord delayeth his coming, and shall begin to smite his fellow servants, mistreat people, and to eat and drink with the drunken, the Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not for him, and in an hour that he is not aware of. So you see, God's got his appointed time for everybody. And, you know, the Lord can just snatch you up at any time. I'm not talking about a pre-tribulation rapture. I'm talking about saying your days might be over. Only God can determine those. So more than just the coming of the Lord, we need to be living every day like it's the coming of the Lord, things that will please him, okay? Because there was a pastor that told a story about a man that was fooling around with multiple women in the church, just sleeping around with women, just doing whatever he wanted to do. One day this guy went to a bus stop, and he was struck dead by lightning right on the spot. So you see, you don't know when your time might be, which is why you got to live for the Lord, I know a lot of people aren't going to like this message, but, you know, this is what it is. So he says that he'll cut that person off. The Lord will come back in a day when this person is not aware of it, when they're playing the hypocrite, and shall cut him asunder and appoint him his portion, give him his peace with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Man, I said all this tonight out of love because I want people to understand that unless we're real, God can't use us. And if he can't use us, then we become unfruitful. And if we're unfruitful, there is no good for us but to be hewn down and cast into the fire. It's time to start asking the Lord for his spirit, for a double portion, for prayer, for the good stuff, for his treasure that he put in earthen vessels, it's time to start seeking, asking, and knocking to the Lord, being real in our circumstances so that God can make us whole. You know, and I just want to say to people with that, I love you. Let's not be hypocrites. Let's not be play actors. Let's not be double-minded. But let's pursue what the Lord tells us because only through the authenticity of Christ in you being the hope of glory, you've got no chance. So don't worry about people. Worry about what the Lord thinks, because we're not here to please men, only God. So I just want to say to you guys, I love you. And, bro, you can do what you need to do, open up the room or whatever. All right. Thanks. Thanks for the excellent teaching. And, uh, um, yep, makes me think about myself, in particular, the past two weeks, how uh, – 
you know, I got what I want, which is spend a lot of time with my son, and and uh, I can't blame my son or anybody else for that <clears throat> lack of balance that I've had in my life. And uh, my prayer life went pretty much to pot <laughs> and <laughs> reading the Word of God and everything. So uh, I definitely need help from uh, from God from many many fronts. I am hardly a perfect. Perfect, you know. Sometimes I feel like I'm not that great of a. I know I'm not that great of a, a steward or a, a representative of our Lord. So, but I do believe in my Lord, and I know who He is, and I know He's God, and I know. But it's just you know, at times, you know, you just. Uh, it's amazing how, and we could say, you know, the flesh, how the flesh or takes us and and it does and um, the fact of the matter is um, just a constant work in progress huh? yes we are none of us has got this thing figured out bro none of us no. I mean you know the Lord was speaking to me tonight also so you know I wasn't hopefully not trying to condemn anyone but it was just more of God knows that you you need time with your son too, you know, and things that he needs to do. So God knows what that whole situation was about. And I believe, you know, we just take things to him in prayer. God will give you time to do the things that we need. So It was um, funny too, because like he's like my refuge and it's like yesterday and I was with my son and um and I was trying to read and actually you could hear what I was going through because I actually finished up limitations and uh, I said, oh, well, my son's there. I guess he's just going to interrupt and people will experience what I go through. So not that that was really my intent. It was, it wasn't my intent. I just wanted to, I was running to my refuge, the Lord, because it's like, ah, there's amazing how a six year old boy can overcome uh, and take over a, a grown man's life. There's nothing wrong yeah. with that, brother. You know, to but love your son awesome. because for a while you had to go without him. So I, I don't see anything wrong with that. Right. But it's exhausting and there's balance. And it does, I have to say that I feel, although I was blessed with spending time with my son, I also felt the loss in that spending time with my Lord. So, gotcha. I get it. You know, you know what I mean. So it's not about my son. It's about you know, you know, what do I? How do I do this? How, how does? You know, one of the struggles, I guess, that uh, we as uh, children of God is that people like to say balance, but I don't know if that's really the right word. But I think this, so because the Holy Ghost keeps you in the middle of the road. I believe so. Right. He, he wouldn't give us laws for, you know, how to treat your wife, how to treat your kids if, you know, we weren't supposed to have any interaction. So, you know, I, I was speaking strong tonight, but I agree with you. We need balance. We totally need balance. Yeah. But it's like how to go about that, you know, because it's, it's so so easy to get out of balance. Either um well, actually, it's really easy from the world side of things. It's, you know, it's. Uh, I was really fortunate those two months or so that I 
you know, in April and May or, or May and April, April, May, and part of June, most of June, so almost three months, where I get a chance to, to learn how to do videos, for one thing, and also to spend a lot of time in prayer, for me, a lot of prayer, time in prayer, and reading the Bible that I wouldn't have done. And so I was missing my son, and now that I spent all this time with my son, I'm missing reading the Bible in my prayer life. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just, how, how do you even make it so it's right? So it's right. always a big challenge. And, uh, but it's excellent, excellent teaching, so I appreciate it very much. And uh, let's pray out here, and then I'll, I'll end the recording, and then, but we can still have an open discussion. How's that? So. Uh, yeah, so, you know, either way, even if you want to keep the recording open and, and discuss, it's fine. Maybe they'll have some okay. questions that somebody might want to hear, you know. I mean, well, I mean, uh, do you want to open it up now? I can open it up now, so. Sure, yeah, I mean, if you up. just want to pray it out, yeah, that's fine. All right. Well, I'll see. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity you had to hear from a a brother in Christ who has been blessed by you to teach the word, not afraid to use your word, and just shares the truth. It's not trying to soft sell it or trying to, you know, make it out to be, you know, being pressured by all the other things of this world, but just basically saying which is your word. And, uh, you know, God's pretty convicting, uh, there's so much work I need to do. There's so many things I need to change still. And I just want to say, God, thank you for this opportunity to hear uh, an honest, direct message. And there's certain things that uh, really stuck out for me, God. And I want to thank you for that. And um, God, just give me your strength. Give me your courage. Give me your ability and your Holy Spirit to change and not only me, but anybody else may hear this, because I know all of us are wrestling and struggling with things in this fallen world, in our own fallen state. I just want to say, God, thank you that there's, this, at least there's hope in you and our Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ, and your only begotten. I mean, Mike, if, if Jesus wasn't here, God, if Jesus wasn't real, if Jesus, it, this life would be absolutely meaningless. Yes, and that's Lord. down to truth. So I want us to say thank you for giving us meaning, giving us hope, giving us direction. So all praise and glory go to you, God, in the name of your only begotten, our Lord and Savior, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Heavenly Father, I also want to say tonight that I came forward with with what I believe you put on my heart. I pray, Lord, if there was anything spoken tonight that was like a Pharisee, there was anything that was not like you, I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, that you forgive us, you forgive me of what was said. But if your words were heard and this was true, we pray, Lord, that you bless this teaching, that it gets out, that people might have an understanding of what you mean, because from day one, Lord, we just, you know, we we were always taught and attempted to be like someone else. We were always acting, Lord, until we found you, and then... You know, in order for the acting to end now, we just got to really turn ourselves over to you so you can tell us what's right and wrong, so we can learn to do well, 
So I pray, Lord, that anything that is not of your spirit, that may be a part of our personality, Lord, that we picked up in the world, if it does not glorify you or benefit you, Lord, we pray from this very moment that you take it from the midst of us. And I pray for my brother Mike. I pray for my sister Sarah and anyone else that is in attendance, my brother Jake, my brother James, you know, my sisters Christina and, you know, Deborah and Melissa and Anna and so many, Lord, that are out there. I just pray that you just keep them strong. Our brothers Martin and Sam and, you know, Carlin, just just do a mighty work, Lord. Raise up some people that will go forward and do what you said, that will take these words to heart, that will change us, that we don't have to play the, the pretender anymore because you have given us what we need by making us whole and perfect and righteous before you. Release the Holy Ghost, Lord, unto everyone in attendance, everyone, Lord, that may pick up these messages later. Let your spirit be upon us, Lord, so that we may be authentic and not pretending. O King of kings and Lord of lords, who is faithful, just, and true, and worthy of all praises, do it, Lord, because you can and will, for your glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Is anybody there? Or... Can you hear me? Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, can, yeah. Can, can, can you guys hear me? To... Hey, James. Hello? Hey, how's it going? Um, it was a, it was a really good study. I'm really glad that it was like a base. Kind of, I kind of thought of it was like a uh, continuation from last talk show show about um, <laughs> intimacy, um, which is good. Like it was just a, it was more more in detail about intimacy and about being real, about being true, you know. And um, you know whether you whether you uh, hey, pray Kai, at night. Can, with, you hear me? can you guys hear me? Yeah, we yeah. can hear you. Okay, uh, my apologies, James. I just wanted to make sure, James. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I don't so know whether had... you're, whether you're praying like with your wife, or whether you're praying with like your um, partner, your your husband, and and you're praying like for forgiveness. And I think you know whether you're with your brother, your sister in Christ, or in ministry, it's good to be honest, you know, and tell your brother, as it says, like confess your your sins before your brothers, you know, before the brethren. So. Mm-hmm. It's a really good thing, you know, to constantly be uh, that humility because I think a lot of people think that um, um, people expect for you to be like, I, I don't know how to explain it, but like a, just a perfect, I mean, God wants us to be perfect, but man's expectation of perfect is like like that, um, you know, that I don't want to, but it, it, you can say like that student in the classroom that's like, pick me, pick me, you know, I'm goody, 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 but God doesn't, that's not the way that the ways of Christ, the ways of Christ is like how he wants us to be perfect and clean. It shows humility, you know, it shows uh, being honest, you know, how how man sees things as being perfect. It's like you can say like hiding your um your wrongs and basically not being honest and crucifying the flesh because the flesh doesn't want, want, doesn't feel good and doesn't want that feeling to to be honest and truthful about you know their their past or or not their past but the things that they're doing right now to so that they can bring the light uh to the bring light to the darkness so that they can live in Jesus and Jesus can come into their life but yeah it, it was really good and you know I I pray that um you know that we all receive it and you know continue get to that place and continue to be in that place of 
of humility and honesty, of being honest in Jesus, you know, and uh, he can work through us and other people see it and, and come to Christ that he can heal you. You know, just let let those things go. You know, the things that you might have done to somebody and hurt them, the things you might have done in your life that was wrong, just let them go because living in darkness and, and not forgiving somebody, it just it's just pain for you. It's just like baggage and luggage. Just just let it go and give it to Christ. You know, go go to whoever you offended and and ask, you know, forgiveness, but it's it's all about Christ, you know. So yeah, honesty is good. Being honest and humility, yeah. It's so true, you know. I remember I heard a pastor say once that he asked a congregation, he said, do you know what perfection is when no one notices anything wrong? You know, and that's in a carnal sense. That's that's the truth. That's the truth. When no one notices anything wrong, but we all know perfection to be Jesus Christ, <laughs> you know. But it's just yeah. so interesting that, you know, you're right. When we can't, when did we ever get to the place as a church that we can't confess our sins one before another? Yeah. Oh, well, it doesn't say sins because we're only supposed to confess our sins before God. That's why I read the King James, but it says to confess your faults one to mm-hmm. another. Because when you confess sin, I mean, you can confess sin to a brother, but, you know, when we've got faults, when we've got things in us that are not right, like you said, that keeps us all being in Christ. You know, everybody, but when, you know, some of us look like we're super and and others might be honest about struggling, that kind of, you know, puts some distance between you and your brother. I'm not saying sin with them, but they should be, you know, you should be open enough to have them be able to tell you without you looking at them like, you know, I can't believe that you did this or whatever like that. You know, that's crazy. No, yeah, that. I agree with you, and that that was like a a, a great uh, explanation on like how Christ would have us to be. Because as Paul says it, like if I make you sorry, or if I make my brother sorry, who's going to, you know, he he was basically saying he has to worry about Jesus, you know, if he if he offends his brother, and then he goes on to say like if he offends his brother, who's going to uplift him? So it is good, just like you said, like for us all to be basically on one accord is what you know, it it, it um, goes to, it's like being honest and truthful because if you have one honest person and you have one dishonest person, then there won't be, you know, that, that agreement. But you, you can't uplift one another if, if, you're, if, you're, not, if you're not able to um, be honest and say, hey, I'm wrong, um, I, I lied, or, you know, I wasn't being honest, I didn't actually go get the food and groceries. And I I just made it seem like I did, yada, yada, yada. And that that clears the air. You know, that clears the air. And it's like, you know what? I'm glad you were honest with me and that you showed me this side of openness. Because now that I see this side of you, it shows me that you wouldn't hold anything from me. You know, and that right. can get people closer to each other and that they right. can walk the same path and, and of righteousness in Jesus. And Jesus can come to that relationship and make it stronger. But when you lie or when you be dishonest, it just makes it worse. You know, you can't walk, you, your relationship can't get stronger if, if you're not honest or if you're not open or if you don't let that light shine in the dark places, you know, being Jesus, being Christ. So. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, anybody else have anything they um, 
want to add to this too? Because I don't want to hog up this show. I, I thought it was really good, um, but to add to that is this, is that, and it, I know it's something that's been mentioned before, and, you know, Derek, you even mentioned earlier on in the teaching tonight was that, you know, we could actually, we could pull the wool over someone else's eyes, but we can't pull the wool over God's eyes, and he sees truly who we are on the inside. And to some degree, some people don't even realize, I think, or they even refuse to realize the darkness that's within them. And so how can the Lord truly heal somebody if it's like we refuse to, to, to recognize what's within us? And that's one of the first processes. It's like, okay, if you've been uh, hurt in your past or you've been through bad relationships or whatever the issue is, recognize truly recognize that that's got to be healed out of our lives because that was something early on in my life early on in my walk with the lord i had a battle with him over that and it was like it capped my growth with him until i was willing to forgive until i was willing to let go it just it stunned my spiritual growth and i had to write the, the the thing is that i had to recognize it. it had to be pointed out to me hey, because of this, you can't grow any further. You need to deal with this first. And when that was pointed out to me, I was like, okay, yeah, I, you know, I see it. But if we're not willing to let those things go and to be healed, then we're just, we're, we're stunning our growth in him. We may want to seem spiritual in front of everyone else, or or maybe we truly recognize, hey, I don't have it within me, but I really don't want that. I, I want to appear spiritual. Then it's like, okay, we need to reevaluate our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ because he wants to take us as far as we allow him to take us. But that That's is right. our choice. That is our choice to make. And so it's like we can't be as that sounding brass, you know, look at me, I'm spiritual and everything like that. Because, okay, you may you may seem that way in front of a, another group of people, but when it comes down to it, when it's just us and the Lord, he knows who we really are. And when he points that stuff out, like you were saying with the, um, you know, the, the, the potter and how he's got to work, sometimes it's a little bit harder to work out that because we want to say, no, my arm wants to go this way and he's trying to pull it the other way, eventually, if you don't yield that arm, it's going to break because we're not allowing him to mold the direction that he wants us to go. So it's just something that everyone's got to truly look within ourselves. Like you said, let's look in ourselves first. Let's see where we're fault, our faults with the Lord are first so that way he can cleanse us out, truly cleanse us out, and then he can send us out into the world and say, okay, now I'm not saying we don't go out. To be sanctified. That's the goal. The ultimate goal is to be sanctified. I mean, it's like if we're not working towards that, what are we working towards? That's right. Amen. Amen. That's so true that we've got to come to that conclusion within ourselves, you know, and I don't know why tonight because I had not thought of it until toward the end of the show. But I remember what my friend who was a minister said to me to make sure that the ministry 
that I would walk in would be transparent because I feel like, you know, the enemy was trying to get me to hold some things in too, feel like I couldn't trust anybody, do things on my own. But you know what? That's not what it's about. It's about being honest so that God can fulfill every promise that we need him to. Mm-hmm. That's why he says, if you are faithful and um, if you confess your sins, that he is faithful and just to forgive you your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. There you have it. That's a conditional statement. If you confess where you're lacking, man, he's faithful and just to forgive you of that, and not just to forgive you, but to have you to give you victory over it. Amen. Oh yeah, so that's true too. I mean, just I'll, I'm going to say one more thing, and then I no, we need to close out again. But like you said, he can heal us, but or forgive us of all our unrighteousness. How many of us are truly wanting that? How many of us are holding? things in our past above what he can do because that's what that's what some people actually do they they would rather hold on to the hurt than let jesus heal them of that hurt because they feel if they do then they're let going of their life no you're not you're actually being set free don't believe the lie of the devil saying well if you let that go now all of a sudden your life's over no it actually begins it starts over again in jesus christ that's right Amen. Amen. Well, folks, thank you for this spending this evening with me. Um, thank you, Michael. Well, thank you. Yes, you're welcome. Uh, yeah, excellent. So, sound the trumpet ministries. dot com and the YouTube channel and check it out. It's got some great teachings and uh, thank you, James, for joining us and Sarah and. Of course, Derek, you again. And folks, I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna. And this you're being recording. Honest. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I, I am tired. It's the time to go to bed. So. Well, you're yeah, three weird. hours ahead, right, or two? Three. It's yeah, two, it's right. Three. It's three. It's twelve twenty-three. Oh, right. oh my word! And get some sleep <laughs> for real. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do here. So. But. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.